0: Welcome to Episode 9 of the Helpful Huddle Podcast. In this episode, we interview Rachel Cisneros on the topic of occupational therapy, a career field that a lot of people have heard of but don't really know what it is. The goal of this episode is to provide clarity to that question, what is occupational therapy, as well as learn about what occupational therapists like Rachel are doing to help others. I hope you learned as much from this episode as I did, so turn up your volumes, sit back, and stay a while welcome back to the helpful huddle podcast i am your host luke pierce and i am sitting here with rachel cisneros occupational therapist extraordinaire and say hi to the people rachel
1: hey
0: and i'm rachel, rachel. rachel. I do... nice to meet you oh nice to meet you <laughs> um and i do like to start off kind of it'll be a quick story of like how we met we met through dr indigo vasquez mm-hmm. so and that's the entire story. Thank you, Indy, for making this connection. And I'm really looking forward to this episode.
1: Yeah, I'm honored that she recommended me. That's a big deal. She's such a cool person.
0: She's so awesome. I actually did an interview with her a couple hours ago.
1: Oh, so, you did?
0: Yeah, part two.
1: Heck yeah. This is for gut health, right?
0: Yep. Yep. Oh, you, so you listened to the first one.
1: I did. I had to do my research. Oh,
0: nah. <laughs> Um, but I do like to get started with kind of finding out more about you. I want to know what your story is, how you got to where you are now.
1: Great question. So 26 years of life experience to get to where I am now. Let's see my cat. Um, oh, this way, sorry. Um, it's all good. Okay. So where I am now. So I'm an occupational therapist. I currently live in Denver. Um kind of to what got me there. Kind of a it's a vast story actually. So I experienced some childhood trauma and it just made me want to go into a field where I felt I really wanted to help people. Um I also struggled with my own learning disabilities in high school that or throughout I guess school when I was younger and I didn't get diagnosed until high school. Um mm. they diagnosed me with ADHD. Um, But also through my career, I've learned that I think there's a little bit more to it than just that umbrella term. Um, But how I got to occupational therapy is I knew I wanted to help people. I come from a family with uh, pharmacists. My sister's in med school right now, so we come from a medical background, but I... (sighs) I'm trying to think. I think I went, I went to New Mexico State University in Las Cruces and I was like, I think I'll do pre-nursing. And I just couldn't get behind the needles. Like I couldn't get behind blood needles, all that good stuff. So I was like, okay, well maybe I'll look into like kinesiology and I'll major in kinesiology, which I loved. I loved, Mm -hmm. um, Kinesiology, I, my backgrounds in exercise physiology and ex, uh, clinical exercise science. Okay, so anatomy. Um, first day anatomy, my professor who is super intense, he had everyone um, raise their hand if they were going to try to go to PT school. And it was like 95% of the class that raised their hand. Um, and then he goes, well, 10% of you are actually going to get in. So I just want you to consider that when you start wow. this class which was very intimidating, especially for someone who really struggled with school. Um, and it's hard to pursue something that you actually don't know what you're getting into, right? For sure. So our, I think it was one of our like little classes we have to take, but they had a personality test that you can take. Um, and that will kind of tell you what job you match with. And of course, I got like... PT, it was occupational therapy and then like bartender or something funny like that, <laughs> which I was like, no, I'm not going to be a bartender. Um, but I looked into occupational therapy because the description of it was very interesting. It mentioned like using creativity, but treating people and it was in the medical field. I had never heard of it before.
0: Mm-hmm. So I
1: decided I should go and volunteer and just shadow, right? Smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the first day of my shadowing, I actually treated someone I knew from high school. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I sat next to her in class. She was in a horrible accident in high school and while we were sitting in that class together. And I just was like, oh, my gosh. I can't believe like this is a full circle moment. And what we were working on um, – were just really cool things like how to helping her with her brain injury and helping her regain strength. And I was like, well, this seems very similar to similar to physical therapy, but like I'm using creativity to treat people. And so that's kind of what brought me into loving OT. And I got to treat so many different patients, um, met some really amazing therapists. Um, so I was like okay this is it I'm gonna pursue this field how special because you can treat all ages I got to ask the fun questions I think what deterred me from physical therapy is I thought gait training like that's walking mm-hmm. um, analyzing gait was so boring <laughs> like As the it heel toe strike <laughs> like I just no I couldn't have an entire class on that no thank you <laughs> Um, but with OT, I found, like, I still had to take gait training and all that good stuff. But just, I, I don't know, I found fell in love with the creative side of healing someone. And it takes a holistic approach of healing, too, which I was like, Absolutely. this is so cool. It's not just treating the injury. You're treating how the whole person, the person who was leading up to the injury, how the injury is affecting someone. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I got crazy. here and now i'm living in denver
0: (laughs) (laughs) how (laughs) is denver
1: i love it um we just moved here in july of last year it's been our dream to move out here Mm -hmm. um i was a treating therapist in the hospitals in arizona which is amazing um but now here i'm doing like more home health i treat people in their home
0: that's awesome congratulations
1: thank you
0: um, I do. I want to back up just a little bit before we dive into the whole OT side of things. Yeah. Um, and a, a question I like to ask is kind of like your aha moment because this is the helpful huddle podcast. It is all about helping people, and you mentioned it that you knew that you wanted to do that. Was there that aha moment where you knew it? May that maybe not even the medical side of things, but you knew, Hey, I want to work with people and help others.
1: That's a great question. So I think there was a lot leading to that aha moment. Um, for me, I had faced like a childhood trauma where it made me feel that there were people out in this world who didn't have a good life and there weren't people, um, in their corner. So I thought, how about I create this ripple effect and like if there's so many people I can say like you can do this like you're a good person like you I don't know like can it create a ripple effect right Mm -hmm. um but I also did these classes when I was younger um called I can I think it's no it's called toolbox for life and it was cute it was for girls I think like sixth to eighth grade and we would go and do like ropes courses, climbing, camping, and like just learning how to treat people right. And we would actually volunteer at um, at homeless shelters or um, low income. um, I'm trying to think of what they're called, like daycares for kids um, and um, soup kitchens So I think I just like fell in love with that because I, and I saw it at such a young age because I was like, oh, they're just people like us. They're, it's just, there's just a different way of living and it's the want of way of living. And so like, I learned that, okay, this like, I had this preconceived idea of what it all was and it's totally different than I think what we expect and what we're fed in media. So Mm -hmm. I just felt that I fell in love with just helping people. And it, it, I don't know. It made me feel so good. <laughs> it's hard, but it feel it feels really good. Um, For sure. so I think that was my aha moment. And then I started teaching actually another full circle moment. I started teaching that class. Um, but we changed ah. the name called I can, I will, I am, um, when I was in high school and it made me realize like, oh, like, I'm teaching people so many things and teaching them about life, which is kind of like OT. So, um, yeah, that's kind of why I wanted to help people. And I, it's kind of fuzzy, like, college to figure out uh, occupational therapy, and I just was like, hey, this is a really cool job. It pays well, and I think that's important. A lot of people, like, you need money to live, right? Uh Um, So yeah, that's kind of a little bit about that.
0: (laughs) I love it. No, I love it. And thank you for sharing that. Um, You mentioned something during your story about, I think you were talking about ADHD Mm -hmm. and that you had learned quite a bit about it along like your path, not just from your childhood, but to now. What, What did you learn, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Yeah, great question. So my ADHD was I'm a, like a pretty quiet person and I'm not one who's like bouncing off the walls, right? I mm-hmm. just like have a hard time sustaining my attention. Like if there's a large, um, if I'm in a large group and there's a lot of people talking, like I want to engage with everyone and make every world, everyone feel seen and be a part of every conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: I have a hard time like s- staying focused. I've learned to cope with that (laughs) being an adult and I'm just open about it now where I'm like, Hey, there's a lot, it's a lot going on in here. I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time focusing. Um, But another was reading Uh, growing up. I remember in class them like my teachers saying, Oh, you can like, what's your opinion on this book? And I would always just say completely silent because I didn't know you could have opinions on books I never knew what I was actually reading. Like I would read the words. I just never comprehended it or could picture and visualize what I was reading. And it didn't Mm -hmm. actually, that part of my brain, I feel like I didn't tap into or develop fully until college. And that's when I started succeeding. So that is another reason why I got into OT because there are so many people who don't fit that, like our standardized school system. And so to just be like, have that understanding of, okay, this is what's going on. Like, how about we take a different approach Mm -hmm. um, to learning? So yeah, that's kind of my little background about ADHD. I think I've just really learned to communicate it with people and be just very honest. And yeah, I don't think it's worth hiding anymore at this point.
0: (laughs) No, I I love that. And it's something that I believe... I don't know if it's becoming more and more like a quote unquote diagnosis or if it's just getting recognized more because we're learning so much more about it, but it's, it's a hot, it's a hot topic, especially with kids these days. And it's amazing that like people like yourself have gone through it and are, we're learning how to help the children from a young age, get Mm -hmm. through it and focus and do the things that we may not have known how to do.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: But I, I do want to dive a little now into the occupational therapy side of things. Yeah. Um, and I, and it, again, I like to start broad and we've touched on it a little bit through your story, but what is occupational therapy?
1: Great question. That is the golden question that I think even doctors don't know.
0: <laughs> I have no idea.
1: Um, so occupational therapy, I'm just going to start off saying, no, I do not help people find jobs. The definition of occupations are the things that we do every day, whether it comes down to our everyday routines, such as bathing, dressing, going to the bathroom, um, oral care to what do we need to do in the day, take care of our dog, Mm. go to work, drive, um, be able to manage our appointments and schedules, um, all the way to leisure activities. Like I want to get back to sports. I tore my ACL. I want to get back to soccer. Um, Also how can you keep your head in the game and, and good stuff like that. So occupational therapy is the therapy that helps you get back to your, I don't know, everyday tasks, um, it's your goal. Like if it's sports, that's pretty broad, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um. So yeah, that's OT in a nutshell.
0: I, I love it. And I'll, and I'll be honest, for whatever reason, every time I've heard occupational Occupational therapy, I've always thought, oh, it's a type of therapy that helps you with your specific work that you do. So, like if your job is a nine to five sitting at a desk, well, they're going to help you with manage pain of that or whatever it might be. So,
1: we do do that. And I've had a Mm -hmm. position where I've gone to, like, I had the opportunity to go to big corporations and be like, hey, this is what you got to modify. You got to put these types of desks um, just to prevent injury. Mm-hmm. Um unfortunately our we our medical field doesn't necessarily focus on prevention. It more goes on treating the problem itself. Um right. so the approach is not necessarily that. So it's a lot harder to get into those areas because doctor referrals aren't focusing on that. Right. Um and that comes down to insurance and that's a whole other <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> yep. But Yeah, so we do focus on that too for people. Um, Another interesting area that I focus on, like for example, um, an area that not a lot of people talk about is sex. I um, have a lot of patients that have experienced strokes or spinal cord injuries, and that's a big part of our lives. And Mm -hmm. they're like, hey, we want to be able to do this. I want to be happy. I love my partner. And so just helping them navigate that too. Or if people have major surgeries, there's certain precautions they can't break or certain movements they can't make. So you have to educate Mm -hmm. them like, hey, I don't want you back here in the hospital for something stupid. Like, so, um, yeah, we do education on that, too.
0: I, I love it. And that leads into like, I'm sure the overwhelming question you get is the difference in PT and OT. So what is that difference?
1: Such a good question. Um, I think it comes down to our documentation. OTs might come for me for saying this. I think that there's not a huge, large difference. And it depends on the therapist and their experience because actually in certain areas, PTs and OTs can work on the same exact thing. Um, for exa- example, pelvic floor therapy, hand therapy, shoulder therapy, Um we can work on the same things it's all in how we justify our documentation um now there is i will say pt focuses a lot more on like gate training um stability that good stuff um but like i took my neuro courses some of my anatomy courses we took with pts mm-hmm. um I actually work with someone that I went to school with, um, oddly enough, out here. We found out we had the same classes together, who's a physical therapist. Um, But there is a balance, though, because OTs, we do focus on how is this mobility going to impact their everyday life. So kind of how I break it down is, great, you can walk from point A to point B, right? Because that's what PT is focusing on. They want to make sure you're walking distances, you can tolerate using the device. Mm OT is going to modify the environment so the patient is safe. We're also going to say, okay, great. You can walk in a straight line, but you have to go to the bathroom. I need you to be able to step up and over the tub, sit down appropriately. I need you to make make turns in small areas, do dual tasking. So two things at one time, um, using your energy appropriately, things like that, Um, which kind of that's what differentiates us because – if I was focusing on just the mobility or if I was doing mobility and the like training around the home, I couldn't cover that. And I think you need to have two different disciplines in there to focus on that. Does that make sense?
0: It does. But we're, we're going to keep diving into it. Yeah, because, let's like, do it. Um, Because my experience with physical therapy, I've never worked with an occupational therapist, at least to my knowledge, yeah. Um, is it's always rehabilitation post-injury generally for me it was athletics yes um so I guess how does that ha- so I don't know how to even explain this but how, how is that different in like how you would take someone that post-injury versus how a physical therapist might and I'm sure there's a lot of crossover
1: so yeah so much crossover um you're correct and you're following which is awesome usually I lose people um, so great question. Let's say we have a hip replacement. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm going to be focusing on is, okay, we need to obviously strengthen strengthen this person and work on their balance, but I'm going to do it through functional tasks, right? So I'll do it through like, okay, we're going to stand in one spot and we're going to do like teeth brushing and that's working on strengthening endurance, but also dual tasking teeth brushing. Um, and then PT will pro- I, and this is where I don't go- kind of step into their their realm. They're going to work on strengthening exercises, um, which is interesting. So you technically, the way it differentiates is I can't bill for strengthening the lower extremities. Um, PT has to bill for it. So I'm going to focus on strengthening in other areas that are more functional. Does that make sense? That, everyday that does. tasks. Um, or what I'll do is PT's focusing on lower body strengthening. I'll go in and say, okay, well, we have to balance out the body. We can't just strengthen your legs. Your arms need love too. So I will provide like an exercise program and do strength training for upper body coordination retraining. And a good example too, is like a spinal cord injury. Like PTs are going in, working on strengthening and mobility. I'm focusing on, How can I use that strength and mobility and and strengthen the patient, build their coordination endurance during everyday tasks? And that's kind of what I mean by we're billing. We're pretty much doing similar things, but our wording and our documentation and our goals are different. I'm trying to get them to be as independent as possible with getting dressed. Well, in order to get dressed, you have to be able to stand right. Um, you have to be able to use a walker. So I'm training mm-hmm. on those things. There's a lot of crossover and carryover with that. That's kind of it in a nutshell. I did seven years of school to learn all of this. So,
0: And that's something I do want to get into, but a little bit later is the mm-hmm. schooling aspect of it. Yeah. But what I'm what I'm hearing, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that OT is a little bit more holistic in the approach as far as PT nothing wrong with it obviously no. um is focusing a lot more on like strengthening whatever might be injured or preventative injury yes. you're you're taking that same strength and applying it to everyday life and movement
1: yes um and then i'm also saying um okay how can we prevent something like this to happen again or how can i prevent falls um Johns Johns Hopkins did a research study, and OT was the number one health care profession to keep patients out of the hospital. So um, it's the number one profession to lower readmittance rate. Now, I find that interesting because a lot of doctors don't know what we do. And again, we take that holistic approach. So they're like, okay, you're just going to go help someone go to the bathroom. That's not what we do. (laughs) We do. We like we'll help people with that, but PTs do the same thing. Um, but it's just how is this problem affecting the person? How did we get to the problem? How do we need to modify your environment or your life so that this problem isn't persistent?
0: No, that makes sense. And because my and because my background with PT or therapy in general is host injury based. Mm-hmm. my experience has always been like, I played baseball. So, you know, in injuries to the shoulder are very, very common.
1: Yeah.
0: It was always strengthened the shoulder back up. And that was kind of it. Once it, once the eight weeks was done, the eight weeks was done. Mm-hmm. I didn't have pain anymore, but it feels like where you come in is a little bit more of like the, um, like what compensations might've happened yeah. when that was injured. And how do we correct those? Am am I on the right path? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. So like, what were you doing before? Um, There are OTs that work with athletes. Um, Darlene Santor is one. I think she's more of like a mental health coach, um, like mental strengthening coach for athletes. But she does kind of talk about that. Um, Now, I won't lie with my personal background, because I don't want to tell you I know things (laughs) and I don't. Um, my background has primarily been in the hospital, um, some outpatient therapy for kids, um, and like home health. So I would say, um, and this, I I don't, this could be out there, but this is when I think like, um, trainers are so important and should be a part of the health model or healthcare model because they will, strengthen people, right? Give them programs to prevent injuries so that they don't need therapy. So I don't know. I feel like OT, we can help with prevention. Like, for example, you've got a chef who keeps developing, um, like, uh, an, what is it? Inflammation in the elbow, like a tennis elbow or something like that. Okay. And we go in and we're like, okay, what are you doing that keeps causing this? And we're looking at their posture and their positioning. And we're like, okay, we need you to like not work with your hand all the way out. We need you to keep your elbows in and like whisk that way um, to prevent the injury. Or we can go with athletes and like do like analyze their posture. Again, golfers, tennis players, Um, be like, okay, you're getting tennis elbow because you're um, doing this with your posture. Like, this is what you need to do. You need to rest. Um, kind of that type of prevention, I imagine, is what OTs can do. Um, I know that also, sorry to, like, confuse you, but, like, PTs also can do that, too, because we all have, the sim- like, similar knowledge on that, um, just because it's kind of, like, our foundational knowledge when it comes to injury prevention and treatment. Mm. Um, but... Yeah, so we kind of can come go in and help with that too. It's just a new and emerging practice, I would say.
0: Makes sense. And and a question that kind of le- I'm thinking about is when when is an OT the correct call over a PT or post physical therapy or whatever that might be.
1: Mm, that's a good question. I I really feel like just call for both because we both cover so much, but we also couldn't cover both fields. I think it should just be more of a natural practice. Like if you're getting injuries or you're falling, like you don't just order just PT, you order mm-hmm. OT because the OT is gonna come in and analyze a lot. Um, when it comes to like the house, modifying houses, modifying life, what are you doing, medication management um, that way PT can focus on the mobility aspect. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think I'm following. And I That's think good. that leads into this next question as far as, so if I was going to ask you, what can you do that a PT can't and vice versa, or won't, I guess not can't, but won't do mm-hmm. and vice versa, what would that answer look like?
1: In my, I will not analyze someone's gait and tell you this is how you need to do your heel-toe strike.
0: Okay.
1: I will not do that. I will not go in there, and I will not... I will not... That's a realm I will not touch in. Um, And what... Like, you're asking... And the second question was, like, what would a PT should not do for OT? They should not... Well, that's a great question. <laughs> they should not go in and... I would say, I don't know. I mean, I could say like, don't go in and say, don't dress my, like, if it's my patient, don't tell them how to dress, but like we all kind of do. That's a great question. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of externally processing this too. I can work on heel toe strike, but I'm not going to go in depth on it. I, a PT could work on dressing and like say, okay, this we're working on postural stability balance um while du- dual tasking but they wouldn't go into too much
0: depth.
1: Is that No, sense. That so no,
0: 100% makes there. sense. Yeah. I mean I I feel like it's like I I know I have like a nutrition certification and I could talk to you about some nutrition but I can't talk to you in depth like a dietitian can. Like someone's That's,
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um And that's the thing, too, is we're both, like, a lot of people, and just to clarify, too, because some people think, like, oh, OT is, like, the assistant of the PT. No, we're, like, on equal level. Yeah, we're equal level (laughs) playing fields. We're going to have a little bit more knowledge about different things, like, PTs and OTs can treat upper and lower extremities. You're going to see some differentiation. Some people believe OT should treat upper extremity. PT should treat lower extremity. I thought that for the longest time, I won't lie. Um, It's how we break up treating a patient with a lot of situations going on. Like, for example, you've got a stroke patient who's got um, hemiplegia, meaning um, one side of their body is totally paralyzed. Um, So the PT might use their time to work on um, gait training, mobility, strengthening in the lower extremity. That's a lot to cover in one session. So the OT is going to come in and say, all right, I'm going to strengthen your upper extremity and I'm going to do it through, um, neuromuscular reeducation. We're going to, I don't know. It's like very similar things. Again, if OTs are struggling with this, which a lot do the explanation part, like there's a lot of crossover We do like cognitive retraining too. Mm. It's just, it's such a cool field because we cover so much. Um, PT does the same and so does speech therapy. They cover so much. So it's just kind of like having good communication with the physical therapist you're treating with. And
0: Mm. yeah. No, and I think... And I kind of, well, I'll see if this comparison holds true after I ask this question, but I want to get into kind of like, what's, what is the educational difference? Like, what do you go through versus what a PT might, and you may not know because you didn't go through PT school, but I'm sure you know some differences.
1: I do know some. So educational differences, I think I mentioned they have, I think they have an extra class of neuro. Um, But they also – I think their rotations are a little bit longer. I think they've got three rotations. We had two, um, but we had like a year's worth of rotations. We had fieldwork A, fieldwork B, so, and two fieldwork A's, two fieldwork B's. So um, I think there's a little bit of – of a longer school and it also depends so ot's in this weird limbo right now where we're switching to doctorate um i had told you that i wasn't a doctor i was in the doctorate program but it is 25k more and an additional like intense research project and i did research in undergrad so i was like no i'm good i don't want to be in more debt than i already am thank you um I do want to say this, though, my for when it comes to education is and I think this is what makes PTs and OTs a little bit different in personality. And I've literally had PTs tell me that I should go back to PT school because I have a PT mindset sometimes. Um, But that's because I have a love and I also really believe in the signs of the body. Like you do need to strength train in order to get more, like, stronger, more independent, build coordination and balance for tasks that you want to do every day. Um, I told you I had a kinesiology background and I was in classes full of PTs. <laughs> so that is the difference. I've met OTs that have been, like, theater majors who went back and did the prereqs and went to college or went to OT school. And so they're a little bit different that way. Um but I think that is also what differentiates the mindset because if I was with, I, like, my buddies who are PTs, they have so much respect for OT, but they're like, yes, your mindset is just different. And I think it's because of that exercise background and always being an athlete. So, yeah.
0: Interesting. And I, and I wrote, wrote it down while you were talking about it, like, what... Stereotypically, I guess, what is a OT mindset versus a PT mindset?
1: Um, Stereotypically, I'd say OTs, they can be more of the creatives. PTs, the more cut, like type, I I don't really know how to stereotype it. I don't want to say type A, but they can be, they're just more of like, you've got the athletes and then you've got like i don't know (laughs) the artistic folk
0: no i understand
1: and that's kind of what i've experienced however i don't think that that's true (laughs) 100 percent. but um yeah that can be a little bit of of the differing personalities however this new generation of ot's like my age group coming up very science background based it's i find it more in the older ot's um because it's 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 been around for a long time. Occupational therapy has like, it used to, it was used and I think created if I'm remembering correctly from school. Our history comes from um, treating the in the war. We would go in and help vets when it came to PTSD, right. but also um, helping them to do things after war again, like being able to write their name again. Just gotcha. through injuries. So gotcha. that's where I think it it kind of, it bloomed from.
0: Gotcha. No, I think that, I think it all makes sense. Um, obviously there's a, there's a lot of crossover uh, so and much. I'm seeing that more and more. Yeah. Um, and
1: I, we treat in so many different settings and every setting is so different. Like, Right. My experience, like I said, I've did peds. I was an ICU therapist for a long time and a neuro ICU therapist. And I did, um, I worked at a trauma one hospital, so I would treat the patients after really severe car accidents or spinal cord injuries, um, mm-hmm. do things with patients while they were vented. I, we would help them stand, uh, reduce sedation, like do crazy intense crap that is oh, wow. unimaginable, unimaginable. Um, and then I would treat kids, and I would play with them to treat them. You know, like just doing fun stuff for emotional and self regulation. Um, so yeah, it is very broad, and each area that you treat is so different.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm seeing that more and more, and I've never had this conversation before. So that's why I was really looking forward to this. Yeah. Um. And. I guess another question i had because we mentioned we've touched on it throughout all of this is how specifically working around the like kind of insurance barrier um how can you help with like the preventative health side of things because i feel like mm-hmm. medicine and insurance and all that is so reactive
1: yes That's such a good question so <sighs> I can do it through a lot of different things, of course. It's a very OT way of starting it out. Um, A doctor can say, look at a patient and say, I see that you might have some potential struggles in the future. So the doctor has to have that preventative mindset in order to give the referral for OT. Um, Because I believe we still have to, in order to do skilled treatment, we have to have doctor's orders. So that's kind of a barrier we're running into. Um, if the doctor says these are some issues we're seeing, um, and justifies it, insurance will be like, okay, OT, go in. Um, but that's not the case because people don't go to the doctor until they have a problem. Um, at least for most
0: people.
1: Um. So that's kind of a barrier we run into. And I hope in the future, I know there's some really amazing OT advocates out there who are working so that we don't need doctor's referral to do skilled treat because I don't believe PT needs them.
0: They don't need them? Mm -hmm.
1: You can walk into um, a PT clinic and you can be treated.
0: Wow, I didn't know that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's a barrier that we run into. I mean, I could do like, I couldn't call it OT though. I could do like mm-hmm. caregiving, but gotcha. I don't want to do that. I'm going to be right. very, like, I don't like, I don't like the kind of trying to beat around the bush type stuff. Like, I would <laughs> rather just be straightforward and do like a really intensive skilled treatment with someone who needs it. And
0: mm-hmm. what I run
1: into right now is I can get doctor's orders and treat privately. Um, but there's so many like hoops I have to jump through where it's like, okay, but if they've got Medicare, you can't really do that. It goes against their Medicare policy.
0: Got so it, it.
1: it. the way the government has therapy set up, and this goes for PT too, is very, very challenging. There's lots I of hoops can... you have to jump through so that someone doesn't lose a care plan through insurance.
0: I can only imagine. Isn't
1: that crazy? And you think it like, is. and, and I'm doing a lot of research because I'm considering doing my own private practice because. I've got patients I see. And then insurance is like, okay, they've done all the visits that we've given you. Like, you have to leave, you you have to discharge them when I need more time.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Or it's not appropriate for them to go to an outpatient clinic. So, or it's just the patient, like, it's our right, right? You'd think it'd be like, it's our right if we want someone to come over and treat us, it's our right to be able to pay them. Right. Yeah. So there's just hoops that we have to jump through when it comes to that. And that's for PT and OT. Um, mm-hmm. But PT, you can walk into a clinic and just without doctor's orders and like ask to be treated. It's gotcha. better to get doctor's orders and get it paid for with insurance if you got it because it's very <laughs> expensive. <laughs> but, right. Yeah.
0: No, I gotcha. And I know something that you were talking about earlier. And I, I don't know if PT does it and but I'm sure they probably do or at least can. But you were talking about like going into people's homes mm-hmm. and doing therapy. How I guess one, how does that work? In, one in general, but two from like a like programming, preparing standpoint on your end.
1: Yeah, like what do I bring to the house to treat them? Yeah. Um, so I'm a therapist that I like to use what they have in their environment because if I bring my own modalities, they're not going to be doing it in their downtime. So I'm going to use what they've got and, or I'll bring like TheraBand or, um, resistance putty to work on strengthening their hands. I'll bring things like that, um, But I like to use what they have in the home. And I think that's kind of the holistic mindset, too, is I want to use what you have so that this is accessible for you. I don't want to make therapy not accessible and you're just doing therapy Mm -hmm. with me. Um, I want to make it so that you can do this in your home and you can progress in your home. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, home health is a little bit different than more of like an outpatient setting. I don't necessarily go in and just – and I don't get enough visits from insurance to be able to do this. Um, I will give exercises, but I don't get enough visits to go and follow up. It's typically PT will get the rest of the visits and they just follow up and follow the patient. Um, and That's I just – and I have a really good relationship with my PTs. And I'm like, hey, make sure they're doing their exercise program I gave them. Um, most people don't.
0: <laughs> of course.
1: Most people don't. Um Which it makes sense. You don't end up in the hospital for most people, poor health issues, if you were doing healthy things before, right? Right. Right.
0: (laughs) No, I I, I gotcha. I guess from your perspective and everything you've learned, why don't you get more visits? Why is it the PT's following up?
1: It all comes down to a lack of understanding of what we do, um, which is tough because I'm a very go-getter, and when I put my name on something, I'm going to do it 100%, and I need mm-hmm. everyone to understand what I'm doing and the importance of it,
0: <laughs> uh-huh. um,
1: and that is sometimes really hard because... Basically, insurance or Medicare gives me and the PT an allotted amount of visits. So, they'll say you have 10 visits. Well, PT is going to want seven of the 10. So, I'm most likely going to get three of the 10. Um, It's all in how you establish relationships with your PTs. Like, one of mine, I'm like, hey, I need way more than three. And he's awesome. He's like, okay, perfect. Yeah, just take five. I'll take five and we'll just go from there. Um. But that's kind of how it works. So it's kind of fighting for your visits. It's kind of intense. I'm not trying to deter anyone from this field, by the way. It is so no. awesome. Um, I'm, yeah. I guess just being like honest about what we're facing currently. Yeah. And it bre- shed- it brings light to the problems in healthcare. Um, you guys had kind of talked about it with Indy, Dr. Indy mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, it's 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 tough out there. But that's why like, I love what I do and I love that I get to take this holistic approach and I just get to sit down with my patients. I don't just go in and I'm like, okay, what's this? What's wrong with you? Okay, we're going to treat that. I want to sit down and I want to talk to them and I want them to feel like they can talk to me. And mm-hmm. um, it's the same thing. Like, I go in and I'm like, oh, your energy is just like, I can just feel it and it is not good. So I'm like, what's mm-hmm. changed from this week to last week? And I think that's what has really contributed to being a good healer is I'm like, okay, you've got to change in energy demeanor. I'm looking at your mobility. You're off. I'm like, Hmm, is there something going on that's undetected right now?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: boom, like, I'll find like urinary tract infections, gut issues, uh, lack of nutrition or hydration completely changes a person. Wow. Yeah. And so that's what's really cool about what we do is we get to go in and see the patient. And unfortunately, doctors only get like 15 minutes of a patient. If you're lucky. If they're lucky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that's what makes it so special. And there's times where we find things that doctors don't even see, which is just that's just the the model's broken. We've hit a point where it's broken mm-hmm. and we've got to figure something out, uh, for example, Uh, working in the hospital, there was this woman um, on our ortho unit. She had a fall. And so I was like, okay, well, what's been leading up to these falls? She's like, I don't know. They just keep happening. I just have had to use my wheelchair more and more. I'm like, well, were you walking fine before? And you don't know what was causing it. And I was like, do you have any back pain? She's like, yeah, I have some back pain in my upper back. And I had orders to go in, see her so that I could discharge, help with the discharge process. The mm-hmm. patient can't leave the hospital unless therapy goes in, in some cases, um, to make sure, that they're, make sure they're appropriate to go home. The doctor said, no, I need you to go in, get her home. Like, we got to get a new patient in. And I'm looking at her and I start doing my physical and neuro assessments on her and I'm like, she presents like a spinal cord injury she doesn't present like she just has weakness like just from not Mm -hmm. doing anything sure Mm -hmm. enough the i i asked the nurse it was an awesome nurse that day thank goodness and i was like i think you need to get x-rays or some sorts of scans before you send her out like tell the doctor no which we get a lot of pushback because the doctors have a timeline like they need patients in and out um, especially during covid sure enough they find a tumor and she had to go to neuro unit they removed the tumor I met her back in ICU treated her in ICU she had a long road of recovery from there but she's like she told me and this is what I think made me realize like this is the right field for me Mm -hmm. because I could do those physical assessments and I could sit down and say screw the medical model (laughs) let's sit down and just talk like what's been going on with you Uh And what are some changes you're seeing? Where are your falls happening? Um, I was able to just do a physical assessment on her and be like, oh, there's something wrong with your spine. Let's take this a little bit more seriously and get you the help you actually need. Uh So that is why it is so important. Yeah.
0: No, I think that's amazing. And it sounds like At least from the experience I've had with doctors, PTs, now OTs, like, you're very much interested in their kind of root cause analysis of it all.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Exactly. And I think the idea is, I can't remember, I'm probably going to butcher this, but there's like a top-down or a bottom-up approach. I want to say, I think the holistic approach is top or bottom-up, I can't remember. I don't know where I was going with that, but that's kind of the approach we take is just asking about their whole life and what's been impacted instead Mm -hmm. of this problem that's happening. Um, In an ideal world, I guarantee you, doctors would want to know the entire story. There's no way that they don't want to know.
0: Yeah, of course. But they've
1: got so much on their plate. So, but that's just why it's important. Absolutely
0: do. Yeah. yeah. No, and that and that's why there are all these fields within the medical field itself, because one person, one field can't do it. Ortho can't do everything. They no. need the OT to go in, and now all of a sudden we're on a whole different path.
1: Exactly. Let me tell you something crazy though. Okay.
0: Tell me. This is
1: what people don't know. You know how doctors have specialties, like there's orthodox, mm-hmm. neuro, um, spine surgeons, right? Mm-hmm. There's not that for therapy. You work in a hospital, you're treating cardiac, you're treating um, musculoskeletal, you're doing neuro, you're yeah. doing cognition, the brain, <laughs> you're doing skin. Like you have to cover everything. So we cover everything. Like I would not just treat neuro ICU, I would treat cardio, cardio or CV ICU, cardiovascular ICU. I would all go all the way down to med surge. Um, mm-hmm. just the full spectrum. And you have to have all that knowledge and be able to communicate with each one of those specialties. Right. Which now, takes, I'm like, you got to give credit where credit is due to all these therapists. Cause there's so oh much education. Goodness.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I can only imagine how much of that is either covered in two weeks of your education or just in the field.
1: It's in the field.
0: I and I'm sure that's also the best way to learn it. Um, it's terrifying, but, though. I'm sure. Would it? Do you think, in your experience, would it be beneficial to specialize in the therapies, or is it better to be so broad?
1: I think it's great to be broad, but that's just who I am as a person. Like I love to have like dip my toe into every little area. Mm-hmm. Um. If I had to specialize, it would be a neuro. I would do like mm-hmm. spines, strokes, um, traumatic brain injuries..
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I think the hard part is is you might and this is why it's hard to just specialize is because you might be seeing a patient for a um, let's call it a an ankle fracture. Well, you're realizing, oh my gosh, they've got dementia, and I have to learn how to treat the dementia. I'm barely treating the ankle fracture itself.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: that's why it has to be broad. Um, gotcha. It would be good, yes. You can, as therapists, like there's some therapists with neurospecialties. Um, so many different the vestibular specialties, but I think you might have that background, but you're still treating everything. Is kind of how it works
0: it. No, and I, I think that makes sense. And especially for people, I feel like we have very similar mindsets. Like I would personally rather know a little bit about everything rather yeah. than everything about one thing.
1: Exactly.
0: So and I think it allows you to help more people, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's great that I think it's difficult, but it's great that you are kind of forced to be broad in your education.
1: Yes. Exactly, and then you can like, I don't know, find the needle in the haystack for a lot of patients. That's how you get to the root causes mm. by knowing a little bit about everything. For Which sure. is, it's hard. It's it was a huge learning curve. I cried a lot <laughs> <laughs> just starting out. Um, but it was. It, it's been like it's just been so cool because I've been able to take it into different areas. Mm. I've decided. I think. Eventually, I I don't know when. I have a love for interior design. That's my, that's just like art in general, I love. Um, But I've learned that a lot of older adults don't get grab bars or make their home safe because it's not aesthetically pleasing, but that's out there. There's just no one to do it. So I was like, What? what better thing? It's so niche, but like an OT using that creative side to like help people in the home, make their home beautiful, but also safe so that they can stay in their home and they don't have to go move somewhere else. Right? I
0: love that. Yeah. No, I absolutely love that. Thanks. Um, oh, I think that's wild. I think that'd be so cool and how you can combine all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Another question that I had that kind of just popped up was you seem, we're talking about how broad things are. Where all can someone find an occupational therapist? Is it that, because I think you even mentioned starting your own practice. So that means that you can go private. So where, where all can you find them?
1: Google. <laughs>
0: um,
1: no, you can find OTs in hospitals, schools. You can find them in outpatient pediatric clinics, outpatient um, pediatric home health, um, adult home health. You can find them in prisons. Um, you can find them. Yeah, that's what's really cool. We work on community reintegration for um, people who have been incarcerated, just helping oh, them wow. get back to life. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, you can find us uh, pelvic floor therapists, hand therapists, um, outpatient clinics. Gosh, everywhere. It's it the it's. The limit does not exist i love it yeah
0: so i wanted to ask the question if there's people out there listening and they're considering the field of occupational therapy what what would you tell them
1: i would say well one it's the coolest job ever so of course ever (laughs) um so they should definitely do it okay. um i am biased but i really feel like my background in like exercise physiology has helped me so much
0: mm-hmm.
1: where i feel like ot school has things that i think it needs to implement like reading ekgs and stuff like that where we didn't but i did when i was in exercise physiology oh, and i learned great. how to make yeah i did exercise programs I had to know how to do all of that and I felt like OT school was lacking in those areas at least the one I went to and I didn't realize that until I went into the field and then I was talking to my PT um, colleagues and I'd be like where did you learn to do that like are you just a genius you just know how to do this They're like no we took courses on reading CT scans I'm like how come we didn't have to do that (laughs) you know So I would suggest having like a kines background or like some sort of science based background because I think it'll help you in the long run. Just have a really good understanding and foundation going into treating the body. Because I I think think that's great. Yeah, and like I said, like I do think that trainers should be a part of the medical model along with PTs, OTs, speech therapists, and everyone Mm -hmm. uh, everyone else. That part of healing and prevention is so important. Um, so, yeah, I stand by the kinesiology background because I think it's helped a lot. But also when you're in school, get uncomfortable because the real world is a whole lot worse.
0: Oh, my goodness. So go absolutely. Do, yeah.
1: So if you're in school, like if you have any um, – Therapists who are in school, if you get the placement in Louisiana, and I'm speaking by experience <laughs> where you don't want to go, just go and go through the hard stuff, and then it will make life so much easier in the long run.
0: I love that. And that actually leads to a follow up question because someone like me, mm-hmm. when I was going through undergrad, I was just getting a general biology degree because I didn't know what I wanted wanted to do. So if they hear, say say they hear this podcast and be like, huh, I want to look into occupational therapy. What's the application process to get into an OT school?
1: Such a great question. So each school has very similar Um, prerequisites. I believe they're taking away the GRE. Thank goodness, because that test does not define a person in my No.
0: Some people are just terrible test takers.
1: (laughs) Me. Um, (laughs) But I think, so what you've got to do, there's a, I can't remember the name of the portal. So traumatic going through this experience. (laughs) Um, But there's a portal where all OT schools go into it. And Mm -hmm. it'll show you the prerequisites you need to take to go to OT school and just take those courses, get great grades in those classes, and those are what you need to get to OT school. So I think, for example, some is like stats, math, definitely anatomy, physiology, um, abnormal psych, childhood psych, regular psychology um that's like all i can think of at the top of my head it's not too many courses um but i highly highly recommend and this is why too i will stand by the kines thing anatomy and physiology was way harder in undergrad in my opinion than it was in grad school because you have to retake all those classes again but because it was so hard, it made it so much easier in grad school. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And if you're a kinesi, they'll prep you for that class.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And then, I mean, even my biology degree, I had to take anatomy one and two, and our human anatomy one and two. And it Ugh. and they the professor straight up tells you, at least in my experience, like, hey, this is a weed out course. Yes. And w- once you're taking it in grad school, everyone else was already weeded out.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, so it's like so much easier and like you can, it's cool in grad school, like you get to do cadavers and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So I guess it's kind of cool.
0: No, I love that. And then, I mean, honestly, Rachel, that's all the questions that I have right now. I'm sure I could come up with a million different others. (laughs) But is there anything that we didn't touch on that you want to make sure that we do?
1: Um, no, I really feel like you covered so much. I'm so impressed. Like the, your questions. They're awesome. They're really cool.
0: I appreciate that. Um, I do always like to give my guests an opportunity to quote unquote market themselves, if you will. Um, so, if people want to continue this conversation with you, if they want to follow your journey, and heck, maybe even if they want to try to get a referral to go see you, yeah. what are, what do all those processes look like? How do they get in touch with you?
1: So they can get in touch on with me. Instagram is a big one. So um, it would be through my personal account. I no longer have two. Just because two is too hard to manage in life, I'm trying to find balance. <laughs> um, so you can follow me at Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L underscore S-I-S-N-E underscore. Um, I also have in in grad school, I created um, a little blog. It's called occupationallymotivated.com. I don't add to it anymore, but you can kind of find some more of my personal experiences through there. Um, yeah. So just DM me or I'm sure that people can Google me now. I think I had created like a business a few years ago. So I think you can find some contact information through there. Um, I do have a podcast that I'm working on doing independently. Mm -hmm. Um, and with some guests, probably in the future, there's some episodes up already. It's called wellness hour with Rach. And, so and it's some awesome, stuff. just Thank so you.
0: everyone knows.
1: You're so nice. Thank you. <laughs> um, but it will be me solo. Hopefully soon, we'll see kind of how that goes. But that's another place where people can get some really good information.
0: That's perfect. And for anyone that might be watching this on YouTube, all of those handles are going to be below Rachel. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, it's going to be in the description. I'm going to make sure I hyperlink it. Hopefully you can just click and takes you to the pages. Um, and Rachel, I want to close us by just thanking you so much for taking the DM from someone, some random person that is friends with friends of one of your friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've re- I really enjoyed this. I've learned a, a whole lot because I had no idea what occupational therapy was. And I feel like I have a lot better understanding now.
1: Good. That is all I could ask for and more. And I just appreciate what you're doing.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I hope if it helps one person, that's all I care about. Yes. Um, But Rachel, thank you again. Let's say goodbye to our guests. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to episode nine of the Helpful Huddle podcast, where we interviewed Rachel Cisneros on occupational therapy. Remember to give us a like and a follow on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter with the user handle at helpful underscore huddle and the YouTube channel at helpful huddle podcast. You're also able to listen to us on both Spotify and Apple podcast. The links are also found in the description below. Please reach out with your questions on topics that you would like to learn about in the future.